Naked ABCs. This song is going to get out right on time, but I tell you, it has been an ordeal getting this going this week. Not because of the song or because we don't want to, but because Aaron has been working overtime. That's true. I've been working on cutting my cholesterol, and Michelle is out this week getting her hair cut. <laughs> but that's okay because we have Tyler Boudreaux here from Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute, and he came from his daytime job straight from the mines. Uh, That's not true. <laughs> if you call the library a mine of knowledge, then maybe. Oh, yes. there you go. <laughs> there we go. That's right. <laughs> Dropping uh, knowledge bombs on us already. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tyler. Nice, nice to talk to you, folks. <laughs> Good to have you, Tyler. <laughs> so this week, if you haven't caught on to my little puns and throwaways here, we are not talking about Tuscaloosa Heart. Woke up this morning. We are going to be talking about Enid, not the 1970s progressive British rock band, the song Enid. But according to Turk from Scrubs has a very important thing to say about Enid. And I think we should we should listen to him because it, it may be the most important thing and Steve should maybe have listened to him. Ten songs about Bunny, not one song about his wife. That's because it's physically impossible to write a love song about anyone named Enid. Well, <laughs> to be fair, I don't know. I wouldn't call it a love song per se. I would call it a falling out of love song, maybe, or a, get it, a getting over it song. So maybe Turk is right. Very true. <laughs> That's true. Wait, I, and I, I have no idea what what that was. <laughs> <laughs> I actually reached out to the man who wrote Bill. Uh, that wrote Scrubs, oh, wow. just to ask him, was that a throwaway to Bare Naked Ladies? Just because it was around the right time. It seems like it. Um, <laughs> I, I, it would not surprise me in the slightest. Enid is from Gordon, mm-hmm. 1992, band's first album. It's also on the Extended Versions album, which it shows. It does the live from St. Paul, Minneapolis concert for that one. And it's also on disc one, but that's just a repeat of the Gordon one put onto this greatest hits compilation. It's a song written by Paige and Robertson. Uh, it is the lead single off from Gordon and was number two in Canada. It's the second biggest hit in Canada that they have had other than it's all been done. Woo, woo, woo. The. <laughs> no, wrong podcast. That's the other podcast. <laughs> Enid also was Canada's 28th most successful song of 1992. The song was nominated for Single of the Year at the 1993 Juno Awards. Although, and I think this is absolutely wrong, it lost to Beauty and the Beast by Celine Dion and Peebo Bryson. I think that is a complete travesty of justice. Now, Enid's a pretty rare name. Um, It is... 
a Welsh name that comes from the Arthurian legend. She's an Arthurian hero, um, earliest known Arthurian legend, actually. Um, So Enid in the Arthurian romance was the wife of Eric in the Chrétien de Troyes story and also Geraint in the Welsh romance of Geraint and Enid. And both of those are uh, the earliest known Arthurian legends. The original studio version has been described as one of the most complex recordings the bands have done in their early career. Um, Steve Page himself stated that, and I would absolutely agree with him. It's going to take us time to break this song down because it is an extremely complex song. So why don't we get right over to it? And I'm going to throw it right to you, Aaron, to give us a breakdown on this very complex song. Excellent. Okay, so let's break it down. Break down, break down, break down. Aaron's going to talk about construction and time. Enid was recorded at approximately 170 beats per minute. It rushes and drags slightly because this was performed live without a click track, uh, which makes me love it all the more. Uh, it begins with a sort of Depeche Mode parody. Uh, the silence, the terror, the pain, the horror as your mom comes downstairs. That made me laugh. I had not heard this <laughs> song at all prior to, to recording this podcast, so I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by that. That made me laugh. Um, the chorus starts, at the song I should say, starts with the chorus changes. So you have G-A-C-G. This is a 1-2-4 progression, which the Beatles famously used to great effect in 8 Days a Week. Uh, If you kind of listen to this and then listen to 8 Days a Week, you can hear it, although this song is much faster, obviously. Uh, (laughs) Then the verse changes are F-C-G, which is um, 7-4-1, until the final repetition where it lands on D, the fifth degree, for the turnaround back to 1, and into that slamming chorus. Uh, Back to the verse, then we come to this nice bridge section, uh, which I call the first bridge, uh, which is A, D, G, D, E, so 2, 5, 1, 5, 6, back to the chorus, verse, same bridge section, then we come to what I would consider to be the true bridge of the song, both because it comes only once during the song in the place about where you would expect the bridge to be, and because it is the emotional and musical climax of the song. It's really just the chorus changes, but the drums go into a frantic beat, hitting every downbeat, and the song suddenly cranks it all up to 11. Uh, We then bring it slightly down to the regular chorus, but with these lovely, almost ghostly vocal harmonies. Uh, Then one more time through the chorus with the frantic drums coming in, and then finally the instruments cut away, just for the repetition of that fantastic line, Enid, we never really knew each other anyway. And it closes out. And the song just leaves you wanting more. Um, So we have an intro for B changes. Verse 1, A. Chorus B. Verse 2, A. Bridge C. Or bridge 1, C. Chorus B. (laughs) Verse 3, A. Bridge 1, C. 
bridge two slash true bridge, which is really the B changes, then chorus and the chorus B and B. So we have B A B A C B A C B B B. Very interesting <laughs> structure. Uh, the song is deceptively simple sounding somewhat, except for the layers. There's a lot of layers to it. It's like an onion. <laughs> yes. Um, this one's like a 10-foot onion. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't heard this song, like I said, prior to sitting down to listen for this podcast. I was not expecting this, I'll be honest. Um, I was thinking about other songs that I really love by this band and trying to compare it. Alternative Girlfriend has been a very high mark for me. I think I rated that a 4.5 out of 5. Uh, I've not heard many songs that I like more than that. This one, though, I, I have to compare it to Brian Wilson and Alcohol. This song is so full of energy. I absolutely adore it. It is unabashedly a, a power pop rock anthem, but it's also got this sort of ska sound to it with the drums at the high speed and the horns, but the guitar work has some slightly country twang to it, and the structure, while simple at first, has some subtle jazz and fusion influences, as do the wonderful vocal harmonies. It's this wonderful like genre pastiche of all these things coming in, and it works so well together. Uh, perhaps most importantly for me, it builds and builds and builds in a very natural and seemingly inevitable way towards this gorgeous climax, which is really quite breathtaking. That's a wonderful example of outstanding songwriting. I can't think of a damn thing I would change about it. And that's my breakdown for Enid. <laughs> Break what did you think of it, Tyler? Oh, well, I was going to reference the song Breakdown by Tom Petty. Breakdown! Go ahead, give it to me. But oh that... yeah, we use Bob Seger. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> or is that Shakedown by Bob Seger? <laughs> now we'll have to do Breakdown oh, okay. by Tom Petty for next season. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Enid, uh, classic tune. I was going to ask if you guys thought it was a bop or a banger. <sighs> I would call it a bop. <laughs> <laughs> Serious questions. We're getting to the real questions here, folks. That's right. <laughs> we don't mess around. I would agree. I would say it's a bop. A banger would imply more guitar, like keeping it real as a banger. This is a bop. And the other thing I was going to say is, Aaron, you were kind of trying to decipher like what kind of song this is. And I would say it, it's a bare naked ladies. It's song. a bare naked ladies song. It's a, it, I like to call the bare naked ladies uh, the quintessential '90s Canadian comedy folk rock band. <laughs> yeah, and that that describes that it. is what this song is. There's so many of them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really it's its own thing, and it's uh, it's it's funny you said that because if I had heard this prior to to kind of all this, you know, not knowing it was a bare naked lady. So, I mean, I would have known right away because Steven has a very, you know, unique voice and their their kind of style is very true to them. But yeah, it's very evocative of um, what BNL is all about. For the longest time when people uh, have asked me... No, that was Billy Joel. <laughs> for the longest time oh they didn't they didn't write that no yeah i just for the longest time i think i've pointed to certain songs to try and if people would ask me what is bnl like um this in the future is going to be one i'm going to turn them towards most definitely for sure this is their sound oh yeah it's very much their own 
and then the only other thing I wanted to say about the music to make me sound smart is the end when we have the the horn hits in the chorus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it took me it took me years to figure it out because I, I would just I had just kind of memorized where the horn hits were, but I realized that the horns hit on on the two of each bar, which is really interesting. And the, and the first that's what I was saying. Yeah, go ahead. No, that's what I, exactly what I was going to say. Like one of the things that makes this very distinctive that they finish this song with. It, the beginning, the whole song is very distinctive for them, but the beginning is that that thing that they do, especially on Gordon, where they're going in one direction with the yeah. song, and then they literally take like a hundred and eighty degree turn back into a completely different direction to to take the song in, in a different sound altogether and almost give you whiplash in in the process. And then at the end, they do something really distinctive, too, which is they, they hit those horn beats on off beats. And you don't like you have to practice to when it's going to hit. I, I think I just want to say every time if people hear me complaining about newer BNL stuff on the show, uh, it's only because I think about songs like this. And this is so frenetic. And there's just this feeling about it that just can't be contained. Like it's the song's bursting out of itself, and it's just tripping all over itself to express itself. There's this emotional honesty, not just to the lyrics, which are wonderful, but to the music itself and the way that it is. It's just kind of spilled onto the page, and um, but at the same time, it's so tight and so well done. So it's just really incredible to me. This is um, I'm really glad that I could be here for this song. By the way, I'm glad I came back just in time. <laughs> uh. I just wanted to come out to you guys as a new bare naked ladies defender. Uh, oh no no I, I I like their stuff. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying I I think people might get the wrong impression and hear me complaining and stuff. It's like I, they do some really good stuff. I just I can't uh, I can't compare. So please I didn't mean oh, to interrupt. Go ahead. No and obviously it's no obviously there's there's two there's two distinct phases of the band. True. But true. Uh, I I. I don't know. I don't struggle to find the magic in some of their newer songs either. Uh, Narrow Streets off of Silver Ball, I think, oh. has that same exact energy that you were describing, or mm. it's frantic. And uh, that's a gym song, which is weird. Uh, <laughs> and to me, uh, okay, I was, I was going to say, it sounds like a Weezer song, which is another weird thing. <laughs> but, uh, and then the, the, the version they do with the Persuasions is even better. But oh. back to Enid. <laughs> 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 we'll have you on for narrow streets down the road. Yeah, I'm curious about that one now. You can have me on for any any like new bare naked lady song you're, where you're like, why is this, huh? What? I I'll, I'll come on and defend it. <laughs> yeah, okay, I like that idea. Public defender. I'm putting you down for narrow streets right now. I'm just gonna <laughs> find it on the on the spreadsheet. I have to go several years yeah. ahead at this. I'll point. be dead. <laughs> Silver ball is what is. I mean, is up there in in terms of Bare Naked Ladies albums for me. Obviously, it's not as good as any of the like the original run, but like that's probably my favorite of their newer newer albums. I definitely had it in my car for a summer and just listened to it on repeat. Nice. But back to Enid. We're definitely going to have to have you on for that <laughs> album because that's I think out of the group of us, we've all kind of come to an agreement that that's our lowest of all of them so oh, it's, i mean it'll be good to have a different perspective on that well on that again album. and just to be clear guys bad bad in quotes okay bad bnl right. is like bad pizza it's still great <laughs> pizza <laughs> exactly. love it yeah for sure and i i was it's the difference new bnl is the difference between new york style pizza and chicago pizza 
the sounds are just completely and utterly differently from different than their old sound. It's it is apples and oranges. It's true. Uh, but I I have heard this uh, this song uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, I've seen Bare Naked Ladies probably four times in the last five years. Nice. Uh, I live in New Hampshire. You guys live in Maine. They're they're around just about every summer. Uh, I think it was one this of, summer as well. Go out and buy tickets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but they're touring with Hooting the Blowfish and they're opening for them. Oh right? wow. I know. So it probably won't get a full set. Wait, BNL's opening for Hootie and the Blowfish? I, no offense to any Darius Rucker slash Hootie fans. I mean, <laughs> I think he's a talented individual and the band's fine, but not a not BNL's a not an opening band. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think the thing there was that uh they like Hootie and the Blowfish is back after so many years. Yeah, that's 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 yeah. the thing. That's the hook. What, and then I uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay uh what was i going to say oh no i saw them do this i saw them do enid like two years ago uh it was kind of d- during the acoustic part of their set mm. where they had uh they had come forward steve or tyler's on the his little different set of drums and jim's playing the acoustic bass and they're all kind of doing the acoustic set and they sang this song which is beautiful because this is one of the songs you kind of pray they'll play when you go see them in concert and but you know that there's like a 20 percent chance that they'll play any steve song so they also did this and this is going to be my appearance later on uh but i can bring it in now one of the three appearances i'm listing this week is when they did the house of strombo the day after that they the day or no just hours after they did um the juno awards when they got their their lifetime achievement their hall of fame award they did a version of that on the House of Strombo, which is what they've been doing in, in concert lately, which is a very different version of this acoustically, but the pace is different as well. And it's actually, it's not worse. It's just different. It's like, have, I don't know if you guys are uh, Weird Al fans. Uh, if I move my head, you'll oh, see yeah. a Weird Al poster behind me. Um, very much But so. his, his recent, uh, what was it called? Like ill-advised and overindulgent tour, how he would do the... <laughs> yeah. uh, he would do uh, what's the what's the Devo what's the Devo tune? Dare oh, to be dare stupid. to be stupid. Oh, yeah. And dare he would do stupid. it. He he did it in the style of a Grateful Dead song. <laughs> so like oh, it was a parody of his gosh. own song. <laughs> and this summer, you go to see him as well. I'm going to see him this summer, and he's doing the the strings attached yeah, tour with the orchestra. Where he's backed by a full band. Yeah. Yeah. And I I can't. Uh, I want to hear "Want to Be Your Lover" with a full orchestra so much. <sighs> it will be Chef's Kiss. Chef's Kiss. Uh, Beck's, Beck's Midnight Vultures is one of my favorite albums, so that song it's is like... so funny you mentioned that. I Actually, uh, I'll wait, because I was going to mention a Beck song a little later. Uh, that is that. I love that album. I also love Sea Change. Those are two very dear albums to me. But uh, Very yeah. different albums, too. Yeah, very much. Uh, I'm going to bring us back to, the, to this song, for the music for this song, derailing. just because we only have a limited derailing. time for this song. Aaron, yes. do you? Th- I'm, I'm going to challenge you Uh-oh. on this, and then if it goes badly, I'm going to just cut this part <laughs> out. Um, <laughs> I don't want to make you look stupid. <laughs> do you know? So at the beginning, after the the Depeche Mode pastiche, <laughs> yes. there's a there's a tongue twister. Um, there's a noise that comes in. <laughs> Yeah. Before they switch over, do you know what that instrument is? It's actually in the song several times throughout the song. Sounds like someone. If you get this, I will be floored because, like, I had to like search 
So while he's doing that, it's played by Andy. If you look in the video, Andy. you can actually in moments oh, of it oh, in the song. Oh. Uh, <laughs> is it is it a percussion instrument? It is. Okay. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize this was 20 questions. I'll even give you a hint. It's a Latin percussion. I, yes. I uh, Andy Kaufman used it. Mm-hmm. And, and Andy Kaufman so. used it. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> yes. Did I say Andy? Did I say Kevin? Oh, God. Please don't no, tell you me. Said Andy. Andy. No, you I didn't say Kevin. But I just remember Andy. Andy. Oh. Yeah, it makes the little whoop, whoop, whoop noises. I, I can't remember what it's called. I, I apologize. But I know the instrument that, that, that makes that noise. So it's a quika. Yeah, I would never have oh. remembered that name. <laughs> so it looks like a small drum, and most people think you drum. Yeah, you, but you actually rub it, and you get a you weird play on the top of it. Noise. You actually yeah. flip it over, and on the inside, there's a stick that's on the inside that goes down to the drum head, <laughs> and you rub on the rub rawhide. You yeah. rub the rawhide with a rag. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes that noise. And you can actually hear it throughout the song. And if you watch the video, you can see Andy playing that's it throughout great. the video and know when it comes in. So that's what I'm talking so, about. You don't see a lot of power pop, jazz fusion, country ska <laughs> getting over a relationship songs with the the Krika in it. Now, <laughs> and so here's the other thing. So the beginning of the song for people who don't know was not Bare Naked Ladies. Beginning of the song was Michael Philip Voyavoda, who was the producer for this song or for this album, and he did the pastiche. <clears throat> and sang the pastiche that they that they had read, uh, that they had written. I mean, but then I don't know if it was Ed or Steve. One of them actually did a Radio Shack radio transmitter, built it from hand. They played the song they had recorded so they got that radio over the sound. transmitter, yeah. turned it in, and that was them recording recording them tuning into it, playing it, and then the Kuika kicks in and jumps into the song. Yeah, you can. And then in the video, which we'll get to later, I'll talk about that particular start too. And they said it was supposed to be a Depeche Mode. Yeah, you could tell pastiche. that was definitely like. I mean, that's. I had to kind of listen really carefully and be like, "Wait, did they sample Depeche Mode?" Like, <laughs> as your mom comes downstairs, no, okay, they didn't. But you know, yeah. like, and we'll come back. That's a great line, yeah. but I do want to throw some things out. Please. Louis Melville did the pedal steel guitar for this song. Yeah. Um, he also plays on the Rio Statics at the same time, and they were in the studio at the same time as Gordon was being recorded. Nice. Um, and then we have what they call the Jimmy Crack Horns. They like <laughs> to like make up these funny names for different people who were big on the Toronto scene at the time. So on the horns, we have Nick Gotham playing the baritone saxophone. Hey, that's what I play. <laughs> we have Gene Hardy playing the tenor sax. We have Chris Howells playing the trumpet. And we have Tom Welsh playing the trombone. And I don't know if they've ever played before, but these guys are just tight throughout this whole entire song. Oh, for sure. One of the things that I love about this song, um, and I'm just going to add the things in that I hadn't heard you guys say yet, uh, because you guys made a lot of really good points that I was also writing down. The song is so complex. And one of the things that's huge about this is it builds with each verse. It's very... For a fast song, it's actually quiet at the beginning compared to what it ends with. With each new verse, you have <clears throat> new instruments being added in, more fills for each instrument. So throughout the song, there are actual different fills that each of the instruments will throw in there and then go back to their bass playing that they're doing. Each instrument throughout the song gets more and more elaborate. They get louder 
and they play more frequently. So, for example, the horn section starts off with just off the chorus, and they play their rendition once. And then the next time around, they play it two or three times, and then it gets bigger yeah. and louder and more complex and more just more often and more frequent. And they do that with... All of the instruments. So it just becomes this wall of beautiful sound. I just thought it was amazing. Like, the more I listened to the song, the more I loved it. Yeah, the climax is just... It's perfect, in my opinion. It's, it's right up there with like something like a National Anthem by Radiohead, where you just build to this crazy, chaotic sort of like Charles Mingus wall of sound jazz improvising. Um, <laughs> I love stuff like that. This, this song is a real gem, and I guess it's not a hidden gem, especially to the Canadians, but uh, I had not heard this song before, and I'm, I'm still gushing over it. It's, it's beautiful. I have a question. So... It's the it's like I think it's the third chorus when uh, uh, Ed's kind of mumbling in the background while Steve sings the chorus. Uh, what's going on there? Do we? It's actually it's actually Jim and Andy. It is okay. Okay. Um, do, and do we... so he, let me Sorry, jump yeah, to that ahead. and I'll answer that question right now because um, I have it further down on my sheet. But yeah, let's jump to that. So when we come to that last chorus, we have three different choruses. Well, actually, three different bridges, two bridges and the chorus going on at the same time. So we have Ed in the background saying very frenetically, I can teach you how to dance, how to sing, how to knit, how to make things that you never made before. Enid, I can teach you how to use cookie cutters to make crazy things out of Play-Doh. Little houses, little farms, little accessories for your mom, for your Barbie sets, for your friends and for your family. Enid, I can teach you how to snowmobile, cross-country ski, snowshoe, but I don't want to. <laughs> so that's what Ed is just throwing out there really quickly. And during live concerts, he changes that up, but that's the base. Yeah. But So then we have Jim and Andy that are doing the slow background sort of bridge that you were mentioning. And what they're saying, and they say it twice over, is, I took you dancing, paid for your night school. And once you know it and you listen to it, you're like, oh, my God, I have ne-. like until you hear it, you're like, I wouldn't have gotten that. But once you hear it and you listen to it, again, you're like, yep, that's exactly what they're singing. That's one like that's one of these things that makes this song amazing because like each I've listened to this song for over twenty years now, yeah, and that's a, something new that I learned just listening to it this year. It's so funny. I just had flashbacks to like "Song for the Dumped" by Ben Folds when you were talking about I paid for your night school. <laughs> Slightly different emotional tone on that one, but uh, yeah, this one's a little more bittersweet. But another song that I that absolutely love about it, Dump. Yeah, oh, it's, that's like an, that's the ultimate breakup song right there. <laughs> it will come on and I'll be like wanting to sing with it, and then my son will You're be like, in the car. I'm like, oh, oh no, no, yeah, this word, I gotta change it quick. <laughs> uh, maybe this will be an accidental segue into the lyrics, but uh, yes. I, think what, I think what you were saying, Tracy, about kind of 
all the things they're saying in the background being like a new thing to discover in the song. It's just it kind of goes back to that bare naked ladies identity that we were talking about earlier with this just this being such a quintessential BNL song where it's like it's all this random stuff kind of thrown in there and it's kind of nonsense but it also just makes perfect sense yeah and it's exactly what the song needs and it adds to the flavor of it and it also it still backs up everything that's going on in that song yeah well that's the thing is like uh, not, not to drag this metaphor out too far but like that's life for everybody. We've all got these different <laughs> things, like, right? These different influence. No, but I mean, seriously, we got these different influence. Like, no one is punk rock all the time. Sid Vicious Except me. went home, I'm sure, and at some point drank tea. Yeah, there you go. So, like, <laughs> so, but, like, yeah, so, I mean, like, we all have different facets to ourselves and different, you know, musically speaking, of course, different influences. So, it's just nice to hear something that is uh, so unique and so, uh, so kind of out there. But... Makes perfect sense, like you said, Tracy. So now that we're kind of switching over to the lyrics, I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about that first part, Please. the Depeche Mode line. <laughs> what are your thoughts about what this one simple, quick line of the whole song is about? Well, I don't know how much it relates to the song proper. Maybe you guys can make a connection there. But just for me, the joke for me is always that we call them depressed mode. Uh, I love, I love Depeche Mode. Don't get me wrong, uh, like really, really great stuff. But uh, yeah, they definitely had a certain image. This to me would be like a precursor to the goth kids from South Park. You know what I mean? It's like uh, the idea is like, oh, I'm so goth and I'm so dark and my eternal dark poetry. Oh, mother's coming downstairs. I don't know. <laughs> what were your thoughts, Tyler? Um, I I kind of. Thought that this applied pretty straight on. Uh, if the song's kind of about a teenage, fling, that's true. Could be the mom uh, going downstairs catching him down to the basement. Yeah, kind of a, <laughs> a a relationship that's clearly more physical than emotional. Uh, it's literally the the experience of the the terror, the pain, that's some pretty real of your terror mom coming downstairs. That is some pretty real terror. <laughs> Exactly. That's the, and that's the funny thing is like they come back to that mutual masturbation stuff or <laughs> or exploration stuff down the road with like in the car. Uh, Wizard of Magic Land. And Wizard of Magic Land, uh, which I am so excited to get to someday. Um, <laughs> it's gonna be a ways. <laughs> like a million. Actually, it's called It's Only Me, so it's not as far away as we. I'll think be resurrected is, so. back from the dead by then. <laughs> but yeah, like they're taught like it. I just kept thinking, like, this is, like, that mutual masturbation, exploration, and then getting caught, which is a teenage, I mean, not every teenager, but it is a teenage experience that goes along with everything about this song, which is, this is a teenage experience, this is a teenage song, and maybe you haven't specifically experienced the relationship that he's talking about in Enid, but we've all had that deep, infatuated love that we have in the first relationship where it's hard to let go of it. And then we get just stuck in it and we wallow in it and, and it's hard to break out. And, and I think because of that, we can all identify in a lot of ways with this song. Most definitely. But I think we should break down some of the lines of this song. Sure. <laughs> Cause I'm a little worried for Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean this to my mind, based on my admittedly much more limited than both of you, I'm sure experience with the band's music. This seems to me to be a classic example of Paige's brilliant emotional honesty and wit. 
yeah. a lot of teenage relationships, <laughs> I would say the vast majority by far, do not stand the test of time. How many old couples do you meet who say they were childhood sweethearts? They do exist, but not nearly as many as us romantics would like to believe. Um, the truth is that, especially when we're younger, we tend to fall in love with our idealized fantasy of who and what a person is rather than who or what they really are. And hell, most teenagers yeah. don't even fully know themselves yet, so they're still trying to figure that out. So it seems a little much to ask them to be able to expect to know each other on top of that. So Enid, we really yeah. ne uh, never really knew each other anyway. It's such a great encapsulation of that concept. I'm convinced that this line, by the way, was the genesis of this song. I would love to ask Stephen about it. If this was a song I had written and damn do I wish that I had for certain it would have been it would have started with that chorus refrain so very oh. very catchy I think the rhythm and the melody were there first and then when the band met Enid and discussed her name it probably bounced around in his subconscious for a while and then collided with the melody and from that sweet synchronicity this song was born and we're all better off for it it's interesting like so we can talk about the specifics of the so song hmm. But the overlooking the flaws that the other person has and seeing their idealized piece of them, um, looking overlooking the differences, um, and then the immaturity of those relationships and the immaturity of ourselves in those first relationships, and and really thinking about ourselves. Like one of the major things that he says is like, "Why did I never think that you were a person too?" That really sums up those high school early That's relationships that. Ad admitting it, think to about yeah objectification <laughs> and well there's a great line from uh you probably have to bleep this out but the name of the song is <laughs> stack by reggie watts <laughs> <laughs> boy did we switch over to, to be my yoko ono there for a minute <laughs> but that that entire song is a sort of a parody of the material uh culture surrounding hip-hop and it's sort of a a, a come up of it and uh, he has a line where you know he's he's acting as these different rapper personas, and he says, "I like women. I like women. I like the concept of a woman." <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's very very teenage. Very uh, yeah, I agree. It's emotionally stunted. <laughs> it reminds me of I just I just rewatched Almost Famous, and uh, oh, the love first that time, movie. The first time he he interviews Jason Lee, he's all uh, he's like, "But the tricks are great. Like <laughs> the music's fine, but the tricks are great." Yeah, no, that's... And then, <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's the thing. It's, it's again, it's the emotional honesty to be able to admit that he was he was there at some point and looks back and realizes, you know, it wasn't even that. I was just invested in this idea of what you could be for me. Yeah. Now, the lines that really concern me about Steven, though. <laughs> yeah, please. It took me a year to believe it was over. Okay, that, first of all, why did it take a year to believe it was over? But I get the point. You're, you're maybe either you're really slow to get over this relationship or you're. If you've had your heart broken really bad, that can happen. Well, sometimes. It can it, happen. It took... Sometimes it was like, they're, they're like, people say they're going to be friends and then you think something might come back. Yeah. And then you're like, right. well, occasional... we've been just friends for a whole year now. Hook so up. maybe it's. It took me. Two more to get over that. It took him three years to get over the loss of this woman. Like, okay, now we're kind of getting into, like, clinical depression era, Stephen. Like, we should have really seen this coming. <laughs> Usually it takes a year to heal, but three years, that's really pushing it, Stephen. But the line that I really like, that really makes me worry. There are times I wanted to hurt you. Okay, yeah, we can all admit there are times that those thoughts go through. 
There were times I thought I would kill you. I'm very worried about you, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a depressed person by nature. I will totally admit it. <laughs> but he was only a kid. He was only 15 years old. I don't think there's a lot of kids that go out there thinking about killing their girlfriends. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm healthier than I think. I Well, <laughs> mental health is definitely an issue that he he alludes to in several of his songs. And I feel like this was probably a relationship between... a. You know, oh wow. Okay, now I'm, I wish Michelle was here. Well, I guess Tracy. There's no, there's no better person to discuss. This is going to sound come off really wrong, but there's no better person to discuss this <laughs> with than you. But you know what I mean. Yes. I, I feel like now that you guys are mentioning this, I'm seeing this in a slightly different way. And I feel like the the singer of the song, the the boy, uh, is maybe a little bit narcissistic, and I feel like the girl maybe had a little bit of borderline, and. That can result in a very, very bad breakup and probably some serious fallout for years to come. So maybe that maybe that was <laughs> the impetus. And maybe there are some little escalations yeah. in the middle there that, oh, those that where he thought about killing <laughs> each other. <laughs> Once again, still very concerned about yeah. you, Steve. <laughs> I'm sure he's fine. My thing is when I when I listen to songs, the way I interpret lyrics is that they are a hint to what I'm supposed mm-hmm. to like think about the song. But, I mean, yeah. the true emotion of the song is how you feel with the music. And the lyrics yeah. the, the lyrics can guide you there, but they're not the sole answer. I agree. Sometimes you get a song like Copacabana where, like, that is the sole <laughs> answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, no. Somebody once... This really happy poppy song yeah, about murder. Somebody once said, you know exactly what Smells Like Teen Spirit is about before any lyrics come in. And a lot of people couldn't understand the yeah. lyrics anyways. And it didn't matter. It was all about that emotional <laughs> release. Very exactly. True. So so when I listen to Enid, all I can think of is like fun. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's a fun song. Uh, yeah. Maybe some like self-improvement. Like yeah. I can get a job. I can pay the phone bills. Like My favorite line. Maybe there's a little bit of like self-recognition there but at the same it's not it's not about it's not about the trauma of the past it's kind of about like hey i'm over it now it's about getting over it yeah that's the thing is despite having suffered for so long he has finally picked himself up dusted himself off and has decided to move forward and there's some optimism in that and uh and maybe even maybe now that the the trauma has healed over and scarred over a little bit you can actually think back on the good times and enjoy them instead of feeling that knife in the gut so maybe that's that's part of it too is you can kind of actually feel nostalgic for for the parts that were good which he mentions in the lyrics and you mentioned my favorite my favorite lyric there which was the the second or true bridge uh, i can get a job i can pay the phone bills i can cut the lawn uh, mo- cut the lawn cut the cut hair, hair cut up my cholesterol i can work overtime i can work in a mine i can do it all for you but i don't want to <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> that's just so great although i have to say i like ed's like once i know ed's background singing yeah. i actually like that bridge just, just as well <laughs> oh yeah that's great i almost want to be the from now on when i do karaoke if <laughs> someone does enid i want to do the background of ed for this like i want to do the harmony. i would totally do that if you can find a place that has enid let's do it I, i'm just gonna download some <laughs> just bring your own so be like hey start stripping <laughs> whoa <laughs> stripping the music stripping that's a different type of club (laughs) suddenly everyone's really glad that this is an audio only podcast (laughs) so going back to the killing line (laughs) with the extended versions version of this um when they do it live 
there's a couple of differences. And one, some of them I actually really love. So we have Stephen when it says, I thought I, I would kill you in the background. <laughs> Stephen, or, or maybe it's Ed throwing the line in and goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then it goes, well, can you blame me? I was only a kid. And then the person behind him goes, and so were you. <laughs> And then later on it says, and every time you told me to get lost, you have the person in the background go, hit the road, get out of here. <laughs> so it's just like those nice little throwing lines that they used to do in concert. Oh, yeah. It reminds me of the the pinch me line. Uh, uh, it's hard to tell if I exist. And then Steve would always say like, oh, no, you don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's The other thing I like about the live version is they have the people who aren't singing the lead, so not Ed, not Steve, uh, who aren't doing the lead in the harmony. Everyone else starts singing the horn parts during the live version nice. since oh, they don't have fun. the horns there. You know, so. I can just, having been in a band, I've sung and I've drum, drummed, I've sang and I've drummed, <laughs> and uh, I've played the keys, and I, I just have those experiences, and I, I know what songs would be fun to play, and this would be a really, really fun song to perform, so I can imagine they had so much fun doing that, and I would love to have seen them uh, perform it live, or maybe still, if I get the chance. Yeah, as I said earlier, it's still in their repertoire, apparently, so. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm looking at the time. I know how much time we have here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be a bit of a dictator and pull us tight on this and, and little... say, let's switch over to the video. <laughs> I'm going to be mean, but I don't want to. The video. Did you guys get a chance to? Well, I know I've watched the video a million and one times, but Aaron, did you have a chance to watch the video? I did not watch the video. I apologize. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. So if <laughs> since you haven't. You, you, you must watch the video. Both of you must. Not now, but in the future, you much watch, must watch the video. Um, so at the beginning of the video, the beginning of it is worth the watch just as much as the rest of the video altogether. They do a 1980s Depeche Mode <laughs> pastiche of the video as well. I'm watching that right now. We have Andy and Jim <laughs> dancing around, tops off, being... Well, being Depeche Mode. Like, they are just being, like... <laughs> there's no other way to describe it. And they they spoke, they spoke stated in their video uh, interviews that they had later on, maybe jokingly, that the video was originally supposed to be a parody of the film Delicatessen. So that's the second part of the video, obviously. I love this video. It is probably one of my favorite of the early B&L videos. It's funny because it's simply the band playing the song, but at the same time, it's not simply the band playing the song. They do. They must have recorded this like three or four days in a row because they have them outside playing it in Market uh, Kensington Market and St. James Park. They have and they put that up on the video screens that are in the studio, and then they have them constantly changing. They have the band playing the song, and Steve moving all around the whole band moving all around the this studio but they're constantly cut screening so that all of a sudden steve's in a new location now now tyler's on a new location it complicates things but then they have the cameras are always moving around the set slowly back and forth so it's not just one quick like okay and now know your mark but the camera is always moving and they're always looking at where that camera is moving. So the camera had to have been moving the same set direction every single time in order for this to work. So this is the music video equivalent of Birdman is what you're saying. It is. This is a very, 
this video matches up perfectly with the song and it is utterly and it looks simple until you watch it in depth and you can see how complex this video really must have been um at one point you have jim playing the bass and he's bobbing his head and on the video he is bobbing his head exactly the same way that he is bobbing it and he's standing right next to himself on the video screen playing the same same way there's this one great spot steven is just kind of dancing and then he gets really serious. He says, there were times I thought I would kill you. And he looks at the camera really, really seriously. And then he starts dancing again with this big <laughs> grin on his face. This video just makes me laugh over and over again. <laughs> Andy is playing the piano, which I love watching Andy playing the piano. But then you get Tyler eating a hoagie while he's playing the drums. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I find something new on this video every single time I've watched it. I, I have watched it this week 30 times wow and seeing something new every time you, mm -hmm. there are times like you have steven falling backwards off the piano while playing the tambourine <laughs> at two minutes <laughs> and then it switches and andy's playing in the forefront and so at the end of the song one of the things they do really cool and they do this in concerts as well um and i don't know if that's where they got this from and then they decided to just start doing it in concert but they all swap instruments and so at the end of the song, they're rotating instruments on who's playing what and who's singing what. Watching these guys in this video just makes me think, like Michelle always says, these are the guys that I would have been friends with in college. <laughs> like their sense of humor, their sense of frivolity, and just, I just want to be there in the video doing it with them. Like just recording this with them behind the camera or on there with them. Yes, so. makes me wish I would have watched it before we recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Same, but I mean, that's, I guess that's, that's the idea, so that's, I'll definitely have to check it out. Now, of course, the song, we, we keep, it's called Enid, mm -hmm. and we keep saying it's Enid, but it's not Enid. So a couple weeks ago, we had Enid on the show, and she, that was, that was my mistake, I messed up the week. But <laughs> Enid was on the show, and she talked about being Enid, and how the song isn't about her. Right. But they used her name for this. And so uh, let's let's cut to some questions that we talked to her with her about. So tonight we have a special guest that actually appeared two weeks ago, but she decided to come back and answer some questions for us. We have been lucky to have Enid rejoin us for tonight about the song that's about written about sort of about her um and we wanted to ask her a little bit more about that thank you for joining us in your, i'm gonna i'm gonna mess up your name enid eggers 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 oh see i knew i was gonna mess it up <laughs> i am bound to mess up everyone's name oh that's okay people don't <laughs> don't realize it's just eggers <laughs> so e -E. Enid is a very, like, how rare is that name up in Canada? Down here, you wouldn't find, I don't think, anyone with that name. How rare is it up in Canada? Um, well, if, to be honest, uh, in once in my lifetime, there was three of us in the same room, which was amazing for all three of us. Uh, my namesake actually just passed away here a couple of months ago. And she oh, was a four-foot-nothing, little-spirited uh more six inch heels right up till like just a couple of months before she passed um <laughs> i didn't realize that she was in moncton my parents had told me she was in had moved to fredericton and i didn't realize she had come back to moncton until after she passed which was really heartbreaking uh because oh. i would have liked to have meet her in in person 
Um, so it's not a name that you get. I work in a high school. I'm the only Enid there. <laughs> it's an old name, so only old people get it. <laughs> so I know that some people may have heard the story by now. Um, and you're probably tired of telling it, but I, I personally love the story. Um, so since we have such a high listenership, it's fair to say that you'll never have to repeat this story ever <laughs> again. Um, would you tell us your little bedtime story? All right. How did you meet Bare Naked Ladies? Well, they came into a pub in Moncton, it went in my hometown, Moncton, New Brunswick. And as a backup of Porky and the Juice Pigs, um, and you'd have to Google Corky and the Deuce Pigs. They do have a couple of videos, but you, they're not they're not out there. Um, in a university, I actually have a couple of their albums. So, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nothing <laughs> you don't hear about Corky and the Deuce Pigs unless you grew up in the <laughs> '90s, I guess, or the late '80s. So anyway, so they came in as a, a couple, as two band players with uh, Corky and the Juice Pigs back up and uh, they did their songs um, I don't remember anything specific I just know how I treated my customers of the time where I had a lot of fun with them and tormented and I, I wasn't a waitress <laughs> like here's your food kind of deal it's like here's your food <laughs> you know had fun with them um, you were fun yeah I tried to be anyways um, with, just, the, just the kind of guys that they, type of person that they would meld with. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, thank you. <laughs> That's a very nice compliment. Um, yeah, and then the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> like, like, so they liked your name. Yeah, they they thought it was cool that it spelled backwards. It spelled dine. Yeah, sorry. And so they decided to use your name. Yes. So. But just to clarify for everyone else that's out there, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's not other than your name. There's nothing the rest about the song that is about you. No, no I just inspired, <laughs> and I, I was the muse for the for the song. Yes. Yeah. That uh, and you get and supposedly it's about Stephen's first relationship. Yes. He said, and actually, I just found out. Uh, last year for Heart and Stroke, Stephen was in. Stephen Page came in for for a concert, and uh, we had supported, or my family had supported the Heart and Stroke Foundation, and uh, that's when he said that the song is actually about a, his girlfriend in high school, and it was too. He said it was too fresh to name it after her, so I don't know who. Maybe maybe it's Jane. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> that would be funny if it was. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting too. I never put together the dine piece. Enid spelled backward is dine. Of course they're gonna be all over that. And you worked at a restaurant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like of course of course they're gonna just dive onto that <laughs> and probably, eat it like a piece of corn. As because um, most people can't pronounce my name, I get Edith, like you said oh. a couple of weeks ago. Um, <laughs> I get every rendition except Enid, and uh, I probably said no. It's like dine backwards, and then 
You know, I probably had to write it out for them. <laughs> that, that would never have occurred to me in a million years. But now that you say it, I'm going to see that everywhere. I'm going to... I'm going to see the word dine and I'm going to think of you because it's ah, there you go. backwards. And now you can put a face to it. Yes, I can. It's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you obviously made an impression on them and it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the song is, is a great one and I think it really helped establish their career, really. So yeah. it's kind mm. of cool that you're connected to history that way. Yeah, huge, huge connection. Um, I actually was reading just before this podcast that uh, it was the number two song in Canada in 92, I believe. Wow. And, yeah. And uh, at that time, so in July or August, whenever they did it, and then there was another, maybe an all-time, what was it? Maybe an all-time, like it was way up there as far as the number, like 28 of all-time songs, which or something like that. That's kind of cool. Like that's a that's a nice badge to wear on your lapel, you know. Like thank you very much. I've gone down in Canadian history. That's right. I never thought that would happen. Canadian history. No one will ever forget your name ever again. <laughs> well, out of just being awesome, out of just being awesome and friendly at what you do, that's why good customer service is so important. You just never know. You've got to be yourself and put yourself out there because you never know what kind of an impact you're going to have on other people. And that's what I say when people say, when they see my name printed, oh, are you the Enoch from the Bare Naked Ladies? Because everyone knows that she came from Duncan. So it's like, oh, yep, how funny I am. Yes, I am. Thank you. <laughs> and then it's, and that's what I tell them. You never know what kind of impact you have on people, good or bad. You know, always right. try to go for the good, of course, but. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what a great perspective to have, though. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's me. That's how I am. So at what, what point did you realize that the song was about you? Uh, when my cousin met me at Kmart and said, did you work at Spanky's? Yes. <gasps> my God, it is about you. And it's like, what? And then she filled me in about the Much Music interview where they, the interviewee asked Edin, well, it was the whole group, who is Enid? And they said she was a waitress and it's uh, a pub in Moncton, New Brunswick. And I ran home. You said, turned on much music, watched it, and went, oh my God. And I had, <laughs> yeah, my husband and I had just gotten custody of his three kids. So here's a 14, 11, and seven year old sitting in the living room going, that's our Enid. <laughs> so they were pretty, they thought that was pretty cool. I was going to say, you hit, you hit cool status immediately. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, that's a nice welcome home gift. Like, ta-da! <laughs> you live with a cool person. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of their friends didn't believe them. But I think they believe them now. <laughs> they will. So. They will after this podcast. There you go. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone hears it. Everyone listens. Everyone listens. <laughs> the whole world. We're international. That's right. <laughs> 
So, like, did you hear, did, like, before that day, did you, had before the day in Kmart, had you ever heard Bare Naked Ladies at that point? Or? No. Um, actually, I hadn't. I um, had become a mom of three kids July 1st. So, of 92, um, it was literally overnight. I went from graduating from college to, I'm a mom. And, uh, <laughs> wow. you know, between housework and laundry and cooking and groceries... No, I. That's a lot. Yep. Yep. And just running into my. And a hit song. Yep. And a hit song on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. It played here. And every time it plays, even to this day, I get goosebumps. I get uh, almost heart palpitations. And when they play it live here in Moncton, uh, I I just feel honored. Like, I, I can't even explain it how how touched I feel that this song is about me. Yes. Well, and I and do kind of go sort of. I do kind of go. But I used your name and you you impacted them. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> here my husband. Not about me. <laughs> yeah. It's not about me. They just used my <laughs> name. Your name was the cherry on top. Your name was the finishing piece that they needed to kick it to the next level and make it great. Without your name, the song, like it's such an unusual and interesting name. It makes the song that much more interesting. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. It gives the song mystery that it Mm -hmm. wouldn't have had without that. Like who, who is this person? Because it's a very unusual name. Yeah. Yeah. Different for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Never. So, have you ever heard from them again since? Uh yeah. I heard they came to town. Uh, I want to say maybe '93. Not sure of the year there. That was the first time they came after the song came out. Um, my husband and my sister and her husband went to the concert, and uh, we did backstage passes. So I have a VHS video nice. where. Uh, Ed came over and at the backstage sat down beside me, chatted me right up. Um, oh, I had a limo drive to <laughs> nice. Wow, husband <laughs> going limo. I heard him. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So He's, he remembers the little details in there. The limo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I I do have that on uh, VHS, not VHS, but the. Uh, a little one, the eight millimeter. It's never been Fully transferred. Yeah. Maybe someday I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great memory to have, though. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, well, actually, at the Heart and Stroke Foundation, um, we were expecting Steve to play Enid, and my whole family was there, or my immediate family was there, and he didn't play it, and they all kind of went, what? And I went, oh, <laughs> I don't know what happened. So, and then he played it. We had Steve in July 1st downtown for a free concert. And uh, mm-hmm. I weaseled my way through the crowd, which was, I was a little cocky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rightly so. Yeah, I was just, I, excuse me, Enid coming through. And one person went, Sure. And I turned around to say something to them, and I went, ah, never mind. You'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) 
So then I scooted up front and I said, I yelled to Steve after he was done playing, Hey, Steve. And he turned, he must have recognized my voice. I got a very distinctive voice. And uh, he turned around and he looked at me because we're playing it tonight. I was like, Hey. And he played it right, right there. So it was really oh, cool. That, yeah. That must be a great feeling. Yeah. And then one of the, I worked in a high school and one of the kids that uh, I dealt with, worked with, he comes over and whispers in my ear, I knew that was you. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Pretty cool. That's, that's really neat. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So, the, I only have one more question. And I don't know what, what uh, Michelle's got. What is the most common thing that you get asked? Did you get royalties? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's a little like, knife in the side there. Yeah. Oh. Nope, <laughs> no royalties. And that's when I'm working a second job. <laughs> oh. It's like, yeah, no. <laughs> After all those, maybe I'll cut that into an earlier part of the interview. So we end on the happier note. That was a bad question to end on. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a better question to end on there the other, that was my mistake <laughs> you could just end with my segment about drooling over her hair okay there. <laughs> your 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 hair is literally perfection yeah. like i'm just looking it's stunningly gorgeous and i just it's really i'm in hot. envy oh <laughs> and as we get into the summer here my hair is just going to be like looking like I'm going to look like Gene Wilder in Willy Wonka. That's what my hair looks like in the summer. <laughs> literally. Literally. So I just see your your perfect quaff and I just think, oh, I, I love the cut. I love the style. It's so crisp and sassy. I'm just loving it. So, well, you're very fine. <laughs> I, I, have no, I have no further questions, Your Honor. I just want to... <laughs> Compliment just your compliment. hair, that's all. That's right, that's right. So Tracy, if you wanted to ask that question again, I can give you another option. Okay, sure. <laughs> what do, what do your, what's the most common thing that you get asked? Did you sleep with them? <gasps> bum, bum, bum. Now do you feel comfortable answering that question? <laughs> I didn't, so I'm okay with answering it. <laughs> We're good. So there you have it, people. Stop asking Edith if she slept with them. She didn't. She did not. No. No. She was too busy it was working. Just my personality and, and charm. Yes. <laughs> Which clearly. is the way you want to be remembered. Yeah, not the fact that I slept with them. <laughs> it wasn't easy. Right. <laughs> ouch. Ouch. <laughs> Uh, well, you have been an amazing guest. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. You're welcome. Yes, thank I, you. I love hearing it every time that I've read, either read it or heard it. So it's it's wonderful. Thank you I so much. I look forward to the rating. Ooh, <laughs> yes. Wow, I really wish I could have been part of that conversation. <laughs> so should we just so should we just kind of put a bunch of like, hmm, yeah, never thought about that. <laughs> yeah, you can like sprinkle these in like Salt Bay, Tracy. Just be like. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, uh huh. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Oh, groovy, <laughs> groovy. 
most excellent. <laughs> and then, okay, you can make it look like, well, it was really nice meeting you, Ian, and thanks for coming on the show. We don't have Michelle here this Sadly week. Not. She's the one that always gives us our rating. I'm digging for a rating scale here for this week because I hadn't thought of one because I always lean on Michelle for this. How about the mining line? I I could work in a mine. Uh, how many nut pieces of pe- pieces of coal? How many? <laughs> I was gonna go with gold, but okay. How many pieces of coal? Sounds like we're doing another Christmas song. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it wasn't Elf's Lament last week. <laughs> I was gonna say we just came off Christmas. <laughs> That's how many you're getting for missing Elf. Coal Lament. mine just sounds more depressing I- than gold mine, so I like it. <laughs> Depressed mode. Goes yeah, with the beginning of the mode. song. <laughs> All right. So how many how many lumps, lumps of coal do you give do you give this song? Why don't we start with you, yeah, Tyler? If you will. First. Uh, so I don't know if you you're well you're you're used to our rating system, but zero to five. Uh, it's on a zero to five scale. Yeah. Zero to five scale. Five is the best that you can get. Um, like much like the razor brand Gillette. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Do you get paid by them? I hope you do. Uh, I well, hopefully now Gillette then please send us some money. Okay, uh, I, I mean I'm hesitant to like, like I don't like I don't think it's a five star song, but I'm gonna say four point seven. Ooh, very nice. I don't know. That's just me shooting from the hip. <laughs> I had I had how long to think about this, and I hadn't really come up with something. Four point seven lumps of coal. Not bad. Not bad. Tracy? Everything that I have said in this episode leads me to this score. Um, the only part of this song that doesn't speak to me is, and, and my high school relationships, is wanting to kill some <laughs> person line. You're so um, repressed. The name of the song, obviously. I never, never dated someone named Eden. <laughs> um, and the fancying my brother, the person I dated in high school, did not fancy my brother. But this song really, like, in the essence of the song, it describes all of my relationships until I was in college. <laughs> this is just, like, I think it describes everyone's kind of early relationships. And even without considering the video, and the, the video I would even give a five, it brings it to a whole new level of five. This is a quintessential B&L sound for me. Um, if anyone ever asked me, can you can you tell me the song I should go to to know whether or not BNL is the band for me? This is one of the songs I would directly send Agreed. it to. Um, and, and so for me, that makes it a five. All right, interesting. Well, uh, I listened to most of the songs we review at least ten times prior to uh, writing down my thoughts, some of them more. I had this song on repeat for well over an hour straight. That's at least 15 times in a row. That's fire. Um, it still left me wanting more. Uh, not only am I not annoyed or bored with the song after an hour plus of straight repeats, but I adore it. I want to come back to it. Every time it comes to the uh, second or true bridge, uh, that final you know, climactic chorus, I cannot help but tap my foot and nod my head. It's going in my Road Trip Spotify playlist, and I, I have to do some soul searching as to whether or not it will replace alcohol as my very favorite Bare Naked Ladies song yet. Oh. I unabashedly and most wholeheartedly give Enid a perfect five out of five lumps of coal. Um, oh, it wow. is my third, <laughs> only my third five. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to come in here and like just give it a five stars, but like <laughs> you can just bump mine up to five. If, uh... 
Like, well, the only, the only <laughs> one peer pressure you hear, but uh, I, well, I, oh yeah, I don't want to like ruin your rating system if you guys were gonna give it like a four point <laughs> five each, and then and I I give it a five, and all of a sudden it's above break your heart or something, and there's like, well, Tyler over here made Enid better than. <laughs> so am I changing that to five no, or is it still four point seven? Give it is is that your honest like what's your honest rating for it? How how are you feeling? What yeah exactly. No pressure one way or the other. Uh, uh, five? Just give it a five. Uh, all right. Just, yeah, just... just <laughs> as Aaron said, it's like... It, or as I said to Tracy, like, this is my favorite Bare Naked Ladies song. Like, this is kind of why, why I, like, kind of tried to get myself into this episode because I wanted to talk about it because it's my favorite song. What what kind of liar would I be if I didn't give my favorite song a five? Well, there you go. So I think that deserves a five, then. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that's excellent. Cool, cool. So we're in agreement then. Wow, consensus. So, so that puts it up. That ties it. Welcome to the Golden Plate Club. That ties it for first. For uh, although we still Brian haven't heard Wilson from Michelle. And we still we don't have Michelle's score in here yet. So that true. May... True. And if Michelle could come in. You know, I mean, look, I'm I'm gonna assume Michelle is a fan of the song, but. You never quite know with Michelle, you know. She might come along in one bombment, you know. Well, I was gonna say, well, <laughs> just to be a, an she iconoclast. Might just give it a four point nine, though. Just drop it just below that level, and it's no longer on the wall of fame. So, hi, this is Michelle with my thoughts on Enid, and I have to say, I love the song. It's not in my top ten, perhaps, of BNL songs. I say that now we'll see at the, you know, in 10 years when we're done grading all the songs, if that's actually true. I wouldn't say it's in my top 10, but this song definitely sounds to me the way I want the Bare Naked Ladies to sound. That is 100% true. And, you know, I was listening to the song again and just the harmonies are there. You know, I think... Both of the Cregan brothers being there adds a nice texture to things. You've got some great horns in the background that peek through. Like, I'm quite sure I hear Barry Sachs in the background. But the song is great. You know, you you get a sense of Stephen's angstiness in his clever lyrics. And um, the part that just really does it for me is... I guess it's a late bridge in the song, or it's a, a different section, but when they're saying, Like, that to me is where the magic happens in this song. And it's great, and I love it. And this is, this is my Bare Naked Ladies in this song. So that's it. That's that's my take. I love the song. It's not my favorite. Like it doesn't rip my guts open like some of the other favorites. Or it's not as clever, perhaps, as Conventioneers is, which I love, and we know this. But it's great. The song is great. It's Bare Naked Ladies. This is them. This is who they are. This is what they sound like. Um, and that's it. So I give it a five. Woohoo! Yeah. So yeah. So is it the Wall of Fame on this podcast, or I don't know. We gotta come up with a. I don't know. We have a Wall of Fame and a Wall of Shame. <laughs> we gotta come up with a good one for that. One. I gotta think about that one. Uh, is it in the box set? I don't, uh, is is right. it on disc one of the box set? Is it in the Ooh, box it's in the box set. set. 
It's there on disc go. one of the box set. Yeah, I'm... that seems appropriate. And by the time we do, we only we're down to three, right? We're already in the E's. We've done about sixty or so songs, give or take. So I mean, we might have just about an album's worth of like we could like make our own like Spotify playlist and be like, this is what the Bare Naked Davy sees. Says are the greatest songs. All here's disc one. Perfect five. But if you were a fan, then you know you are you That's are right. got him. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, you know, just so we can like impress our friends with our expertly curated <laughs> list. So real quick, um, appearance for this week, I mentioned earlier, the House of Strombo. <clears throat> There's also an article out there where they talk to Enid, but you want our interview, it's much better. <laughs> and there's also a really great behind the vinyl episode with Stephen Page where he talks about this song while they're playing, while he plays this song in the background. Uh, even though I used a couple of the facts off that episode for this uh, discussion, go out there and listen. There's a couple more I didn't throw in because I really do want people to go out and listen to that interview behind the vinyl with Stephen Page. It's excellent. Also, if you've never heard the Quika being played, I'm going to also put an appearance up there of someone playing the Quika. <laughs> you got to go out and watch it. It's a lot of fun to watch, even if you're even with the music. So. <laughs> Wait, I'm still confused. What's the difference between a cuica and a cloaca? A big difference. <laughs> <laughs> the cuica. Oh, yeah. So cuica, it's like C-U-I-K-A, right? Now that I think about it. I thought you said cuica earlier. Oh, no. A C-U-I-C-A. C-U-I-C-A. Okay. Cuica. Yeah. With a little thing about the second C. <laughs> Accent. I don't know what all that language crap is. <laughs> well, don't forget to... <laughs> Now that we've offended all non-English speakers, uh, don't forget to check out Tyler at the uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute. I was just going to throw it and ask him, like, Tyler, do you want to plug yourself or anything? But then after talking about the cloaca. Not anymore. <laughs> the cloaca. After talking about the cloaca, you might not want to plug anything. Yeah, if you guys want to hear some hot, hot cloaca chat. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to my podcast about ancient illnesses. We're going to do cholera chat. Uh, no, yeah. So uh, my sister and I, we do Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute. I'm sure listeners are familiar with the movies by minute format. Yes. Wes Anderson's 2009 stop motion film, Fantastic Mr. Fox, George Clooney, Meryl Streep, Jason Schwartzman, the whole gang. It's a fun movie. We're about, we're almost done. We've only got about 20 minutes left and we only release one episode a week. Yeah. Fantastic Mr. Fox. We're on all podcatchers. So just hit us up. And it's a really fun podcast to listen to. You guys have a lot of fun with that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I've been catching up on it since since I knew that you listened. I was like, oh, he's going to be on. i got to listen to this a little bit. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I think I, I made a mistake earlier. Uh, I don't know. I think I should go back and just erase that mistake. Like, I... It just it's very embarrassing that I made that mistake. But unfortunately, we're, we're doing this as a podcast um, and I can't go back. Like if I was writing it with a pencil, I could just use my eraser. But unfortunately, like I, I it, this is on tape, so I can't just go back and erase it. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure you can just use control X and audacity and that. That's Oh, that's true. I can, that mistake I made earlier. Now I didn't make it. I don't need the eraser. Boom. <laughs> Are you gonna? Are you gonna erase? <laughs> oh, and by the way, next week join us for eraser. Oh, I so glad that I came back just in time to run face first into the pun. Wait, wait, is it is it debaser by the Pixies? That, no, that's a very different song. 
You can go out and listen to that as well, but we won't be we won't be talking about that song. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us, Tyler. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for being here. It's good to meet you, man. Thanks for having me. I, I love talking BNL. And join us Thank next you. week for Eraser. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.